This is the Making the Media podcast, and my name is Dalia Naor. While we are gearing up for season three of the podcast, we are re-releasing a few of our favorite episodes, which you may have missed first time around. And Trevor Pilling from the Olympics Broadcasting Service is our guest, discussing with Craig what it takes to produce the biggest multi-sport event on Earth, the Olympic Games. We will be back with season three on Monday, September 5th. Remember to subscribe to get the episodes first in your feed. But in the meantime, sit back and enjoy. Hi and welcome to the Making the Media podcast and to the latest episode in season two. My name's Craig Wilson. It's great that you've taken the time to join us. This time we're focusing on sport and we're better to discuss that than at the very pinnacle, the Olympic Games. Trevor Pilling was the director of the Olympic Channel News for OBS, the Olympic Broadcasting Services, for the Games in Tokyo last year and Beijing a few months ago, heading up a team which delivered a 24-hour news channel and provided thousands of hours of highlights coverage for rights holders during the Games. He's now one of their five host broadcast producers who are responsible for all the live sport event coverage of the Olympics. With a long background in sports programming in his native Canada, where he worked his way up to become executive producer of the Hockey Night in Canada program, he has been involved in 12 Olympic Games dating back to 1998 and joined OBS, who are based in Madrid in Spain, in 2019. But what does OBS do? How do they organise the coverage of such a massive event, distributing thousands of hours of live coverage and highlights packages to rights holders across the world? And what does the future hold in terms of innovation in sports coverage, utilising the cloud and remote working? Let's find out from Trevor, first of all outlining who OBS are. So OBS are the storytellers of the games. We are the host broadcaster of the games and essentially it's our responsibility to provide uh, both live and some non-live coverage to the rights holders. So rights holders are uh, television companies, broadcasters from around the world who have secured uh, rights for their territory from the IOC and uh, OBS is a subsidiary of the IOC. And so we produce the games uh, on the behalf of the IOC and then provide feeds to all of the rights holders from around the world. And there are many uh, rights holders and they come in different uh, shapes and sizes. Some are uh, obviously the most advanced broadcasters in the world who are monetizing uh, their um, investment in Olympic uh, content. And uh, there are others that range right down to very small nations who don't have a great deal of infrastructure to put into uh, their Olympic broadcasting, but it's still important for their nation to share uh, you know, this global event. And so we, we provide uh, you know, services for the whole range of rights holders for them to tell uh, Olympic stories in the way that they really want to. So it's our pictures and it's our sound created by the host broadcaster that are then distributed by all of the rights holders in their territories. 
I guess that's one of the key things about an event such as the Olympics, where you may have people who are perhaps not interested in sport, but they are interested in the Olympics when it comes along. And so I'm interested in how you help the rights holders tell those stories, because I guess it's not just necessarily about the event itself. Um, it's about the personalities and the people that are involved. Yes, definitely. So, um, you know, we, we assist the rights holders in many ways. Um, first of all, you know, there during the games itself, there is a daily briefing conducted each day by our CEO, who uh, then is uh, interacting with those rights holders, those important broadcasting stakeholders of ours every day so that we know how they feel about the products that they're receiving and that we could make real time adjustments, um, you know, should we feel that that would be necessary uh, in order to provide the rights holders with something better. Um, that said, it's a continuous uh, dialogue that we would have with the rights holders, both during the games as well as outside of games time. And um, as you mentioned, the Olympic audience is, is different than your typical sports broadcast audience in that uh, oftentimes, it's, uh, you know, we, we kind of come at it from thinking that approximately 80% of our viewers are not diehard sports uh, fans. And therefore, we need to adjust our storytelling to help um, those fans who are not normally uh, consumers of sport. So what that means is that we ensure that we tell stories that uh, utilize graphics so that graphics help explain, uh, you know, the stage or the phase of uh, the competition. Uh, we use uh, standardized um, shots so that we're always uh, making sure that we're being true to the sport and telling the sport stories in the way that uh, viewers have, have come to uh, understand and be able to uh, comprehend and, and learn the sports. Some of the sports are fairly complex in terms of their um, sport format. And so we take the time to try and ensure that the way we tell the story is consumable for audiences, regardless of what territory they're in in the world and regardless of what their background may be. One thing about, about the Olympics clearly is from a logistical perspective, it's an enormous operation. I know that OBS obviously based in Madrid, you have a relatively small permanent staff so I wonder if you could explain a little just about the logistics um, of how you scale up for the games and how you then get people to go and things like that as well, because it's a massive, massive operation. Yeah, that's you're exactly right, Craig. The, the staff of OBS is approximately 160 permanent uh, staff. And for uh, summer games, we would staff up above 7,000 uh, come games time. And so there are a number of departments within OBS, obviously. Uh, there's production that's responsible for the content. There's also uh, areas such as engineering, uh, game services, et cetera, that all need uh, specialized people uh, for a, a, a set period of time. And so we develop relationships with freelancers from around the globe who we, over time, get to know and trust who will come in and uh, provide uh, the expertise to execute these key positions at games time. 
And so in order to get those uh, freelancers, the thousands of freelancers who were uh, part of the program uh, on board or onboarded, each department or area uh, is responsible for creating a, a training program that will help onboard their staff. So um, I'll give you an example. Um, for the past couple of games where I was the director of uh, news and highlights for OBS, uh, we created a product referred to as Olympic Channel News, which is a 24-7 channel of Olympic sport highlights. And we uh, will staff up approximately to about 200 people come the summer games. And so, uh, as you can appreciate, bringing in that number of people very, very close towards the games uh, from uh, people all over the world who also have different television languages, it's important for us to have created a language that's easy to understand and that we're able to then impart upon those freelancers when they arrive so that they you know, have a clear sense of what we're expecting from them operationally as well as editorially. So how you onboard is one of the key uh, parts of the process and key parts of the planning to be able to execute um, on such a large project when you're really handing it over to this large group of talented freelancers right at the last minute. So really uh, OBS is a planning organization and it's very detailed obviously in its planning and working very, very closely with Olympic committees working very, very closely with international sports federations to ensure that uh, all key areas are aligned come that critical moment at games time. Yeah, because I guess this is one of these things, isn't it? You only have one opportunity to get it right. It's not like, you know, this event, we can stop and do it again. You know, you've got that two-week period where the Olympics are on, or two-and-a-half-week period where the games are, are on. So... I wonder if you could maybe describe, Trevor, what your role is in the build-up, um, say, to the Games. Obviously, we recently had the Games in Beijing and prior to that, the Games in, in Tokyo. So how far in advance are you going across and how do you ramp up um, and what's it like during the Games itself? Well, um, what I would say is that um, Games time is the payoff. That's the, the fun where uh, all of the planning and preparation and, and hard work that you've done in advance of the games is, is then paid off. But um, essentially, we uh, get into a cycle where we are looking at uh, both a summer and winter games simultaneously. And as one games finish, as Beijing finishes as it has recently, we then immediately pick up on Milano Cortina. So there already have been certainly uh, people from OBS who are working with Milano Cortina, uh, you know, five and six years out from their games. And so we would provide uh, advice on the sports schedule, on where the IBC goes, on, you know, uh, potentially providing opinions or uh, providing input into uh, venues and how venues are being used, etc. So it, it is a very long planning cycle. For those of us who are, you know, hands-on production, we are really, as I say, focused on two uh, games at a time. So we have, uh, you know, currently uh, sent our producers to Paris uh, now twice 
to have viewed the venues and begin the planning for the live event right down to the millimeter or the, uh, you know, the exact positioning of cameras, um, of microphones, uh, of lighting, uh, of mix zones, of all of the rights holders infrastructure that would be at a venue where they can book services. So it is a, a long-term uh, endeavor and, and it requires that much time really because you're walking into venues that don't normally house these particular sports. So they're one-off setups. They're all very unique and they, they require, um, you know, individual attention uh, at each and every games. One of the other things I know about OBS um, is that they're obviously very innovative in the way that they cover the sport. And I guess that's one of the key challenges when you're looking ahead that, you know, two and four years of, of planning and, and trying to figure out um, perhaps how we can do these things differently. How can we in innovate? Um, how can we perhaps bring out new ways of looking at the sport, whether that's from how it's filmed or even how the audio is done? So again, I guess it's a, a constant process of looking at how to innovate and change. We like to believe one of the hallmarks of OBS's approach to games is is to be innovative, is to bring new technologies to sport coverage that help enhance the storytelling. You know, there are um, technologies in broadcasting that often end up just being uh, somewhat gimmicky. They may look uh, cool or fascinating, but after a number of uses, it may not have the same impact. Whereas we're looking for uh, innovative technology that really does enhance the storytelling and adds to what it is that we're, we, you know, we're trying to communicate. And under the leadership of, of my boss, Mark Wallace, who's the chief content officer for OBS, um, we are encouraged, we are mandated to be looking for new technologies, uh, to have our uh, eye on what's happening um, now, and also an eye to what's happening a couple of years from now, so that um, ideally we launch some of these new technologies uh, at games time. And, um, you know, it's certainly uh, one of the exciting things uh, about being able to work for OBS is this desire to continue to enhance uh, the quality and, and to bring more each time to the rights holders. So obviously there's this desire to continue to enhance the quality and and to bring more each time to the rights holders. But I guess it's also about, you know, covering new sports because each games, you know, they have new sports that, that come in. And part of that, I also guess, is perhaps trying to appeal to a different audience, maybe a younger audience, um, perhaps an audience that hasn't even watched the Olympic Games before. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that uh, the IOC has done a great job of bringing some very interesting and dynamic sports that um, are appealing definitely to the youth demographic, but that I think resonate across all age groups, really, in most cases. Uh, so I do think that as we're heading more digital uh, with, with everyone's consumption, um, you know, having those types of sports uh, available is important. Uh, the way we uh, provide it is I think, important and um, the way we cover it is obviously also important. So, you know, we are, as surfing was new um, in Tokyo, we, you know, for the first time we're deploying producers um, to cover surfing. Um, our uh, coordinating producer who oversaw the coverage, you know, would have done an immense amount of research, worked very closely with the International Federation 
questions, probably even, you know, discussed um, uh, the coverage with, with athletes, um, you know, to make sure that we uh, hear from all the stakeholders, hear where there uh, have been excellent coverages in the past, but also where there's room for uh, coverages to, to grow and expand and really try and take a, a holistic look at our, our coverage of new sport when we come to it, because it's, it's an opportunity, but there's also obviously an obligation for us to present those sports in the best light possible. You mentioned about your role in charge of the Olympic Channel News and you spoke about the 24-hour channel that happens during the course of the Games. But I'm also aware that you have a platform called Content Plus, um, which is about delivering on a digital platform. So I wonder if you could explain a little bit about what that is. Yeah, well, uh, we have a, a digital platform, uh, as you just mentioned, uh, referred to as Content Plus. And um, whereas in the the past, we may have had um, a, a linear channel serve as a delivery mechanism to rights holders, and they would have the opportunity then to edit content out of that linear channel. But as technology has moved us forward, and really starting in 2018 in Pyeongchang, uh, we launched uh, Content Plus, where all of the content now that OBS creates is able to be retrieved uh, through a desktop, through a laptop, anywhere in the world to suck in content for that broadcaster, to pull in content, uh, anything that OBS has created for their own use. And so it's become um, a very important tool for rights holders to be able to access content um, more quickly, more cleanly uh, at, at multiple different um, uh, bit rates so that it can be uh, suited to their own personal use as some of the content may go directly to a digital platform. Others may be brought into a television or a broadcast environment. And so because we're offering it in different flavors, uh, that makes it easier for the, the broadcaster to use that content. It's also sortable and uh, filterable when you go to search for that content so that it's easy to find. And not only do we provide every live feed, OBS also creates a number of high quality features and behind the scenes pieces that uh, are also then available to rights holders through Content Plus. And so it's become, um, you know, a, a repository of first class content in an easily easily managed uh, platform by the rights holders. In fact, now I believe there's even uh, an edit tool that, that may be offered within Content Plus for rights holders to be able to, you know, not have to move huge amounts of media, but edit in the cloud, bring that content in just the pieces that they require. You mentioned cloud there, Trevor, and that was something I was, I was going to ask about. Um, when you're looking towards the future, is it things like cloud distribution, cloud technologies that are part of that conversation. And then perhaps another element to that is people potentially working remotely, accessing uh, content as well. So I'm interested in what you see as, as cloud and remote working and how, how that perhaps fits into the future. It's been a, a large initiative of our, um, of our company, of our CEOs to uh, help rights holders to minimize their footprint in the host country. Uh, I had quite a bit of experience of that coming from uh, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation in Canada, where uh, as a rights holder, we were producing um, 
from Canada in a control room, uh, bringing in feeds from that uh, Olympic host country. And so we, from an engineering perspective, work very closely with all the rights holders to provide them with the type of transmission that they're looking for, uh, be it fiber, be it through the cloud. Uh, I think everyone has now moved away from satellite transmission uh, pretty much, but um, how, how we deliver the signals um, is an important aspect of, of how we distribute. Um, and it, you know, because it's, um, a, a, you know, over probably uh, five to 10,000 pieces of content per Olympic Games, that there's obviously a lot to choose from. And um, in, in providing that amount, rights holders can use it in the way they want. Again, a rights holder could work with us to, to create an API that flows the content right onto their website. For example, highlight packages uh, is, is one of the types of things that we would work with a rights holder to do. So, you know, um, there's, there's many customizable services as a rights holder that you can work with OBS to create. And I guess that provides them with, as, as we spoke about earlier, that flexibility to take that raw content and then to turn it into something that's very specific to what they want to do, you know, whether that's a package for broadcast or it's for a variety of pieces that perhaps go online or to social. Yes, and it's very important for us to provide um, all of those different options, um, particularly for, uh, you know, rights holders in large countries who uh, are monetizing content and providing it in many, many different forms. So they may, uh, for example, of course, they would have a digital presence of streaming, clipped material. Uh, they may have content that would then flow onto their news division or their entertainment division or even their kids division. So now the way that rights holders are uh, monetizing or using their content is not only in the traditional kind of uh, linear sports broadcast single channel with so much content being available and different ways of uh, distribution depending on uh, what works for that broadcaster in their own territory um, means that we need to be uh, flexible in how we provide it to them. And so again all of these different uh, flavors um, uh, allow them to use it, distribute it, um, insert their own content within it, insert their own uh, broadcasters within it so that um, it's branded very, uh, uh, you know, well-branded for them um, to create an association between the games and the rights holder. So uh, how we provide it to them is uh, is very important part of, of this. And it's continued to evolve where over the last couple of games, the, uh, our partnership with Alibaba um, as one of our top partners, who is a cloud-based company. Uh, we do a lot of work with, with, with Alibaba, uh, for example. So um, it continues to evolve. It is an incredible you know, set of events, Trevor. There's, there's no doubt about it. But I also wanted to ask, during games time itself, is it not quite stressful? For those of us who have had the good fortune to do a number of these things, I think that that's the, the fun of it. And the thing that you thrive on is... Uh, is the responsibility to tell great stories and uh, to be interested in those stories and to put yourself in the, the shoes of the consumer who's at home and, and, and you know, trying to shape that for them so that they feel the emotion of, of these games. Like um, the, the Olympics are serious, but they're also a lot of fun. 
and to try and get that emotion um, conveyed through uh, whatever technology will take us to a consumer. You know, we want them to feel uh, something from watching the content. I know you've moved on to a new position, Trevor, within OBS compared to what you were doing previously, but I wonder if you could sum up how you reflect on your time as the director of the Olympic um, Channel News, you know, through those games in, in Tokyo and Beijing. Well, I, I was, I'm, to be honest with you, I'm very proud of uh, what myself and the team were able to accomplish. You know, we took a product that had um, provided a very specific service for a number of games. And then, uh, as we had discussed earlier uh, about Content Plus, as Content Plus became uh, more of a, uh, a service that rights holders would take, that meant that we could change the content of the channel somewhat uh, to be less of a delivery platform and more of a, a true entertainment platform or a, a, a content, uh, a stream that feels like a channel. And so we, we brought new elements to the programming. Um, for example, a headlines package that allows us to get results out more quickly. Um, we've changed the writing style to be a little bit more dramatic, uh, not to give results away before we see them play out on the screen. Um, the way we program features to run in relation to their live sporting events so that you see a profile on an athlete that leads directly into then seeing that athlete compete on the field of play. And so there's been a number of uh, tweaks that have been done to the the Olympic Channel News. And one of the greatest things has been um, really the people who are involved in this, um, some who were new to the project, some who had been with it for a long time, um, really feel very passionately about what it is that they do. And so, uh, and that includes some of the vendors that we work with, you know, the, the people from your team, Craig, are, are very much a part of the OCN team. And, um, you know, we, we go back a long way with yourself and, and others. And so um, it's that um, coming together of people that um, makes the, the work and the stressful work fun and enjoyable, especially when you allow people to do uh, what it is that they're great at, uh, let them be, try and put them in a position to thrive, and then also create a, a, you know, an atmosphere of team where it's selfless. Um, you're not going to be judged on being the person who has the very best idea. You're judged more so on help, how you help your teammates. And um, it's that type of work, I think, that uh, allows people then to just be relaxed and enjoy the process uh, the, of the hard work to, you know, spend time on the technology, to be able to move the content around um, that you and your colleagues help us to do so well that, um, you know, it's not it's not work really it's it's a, a privilege and it's just a lot of fun we've talked a lot about the olympics but you know i also wanted to raise a couple of things because i think a lot of people would know that the olympics is the the world's biggest multi-sport event but i don't think too many people would necessarily recognize that the paralympics is the second biggest multi-sport event and then of course in addition to the paralympics the Olympic organization also produces the Youth Olympics as well. So I wonder how you deal with coverage of those kind of events um, um, as well. Because I know some of the coverage of the Youth Games, for example, you, you have rising stars who then go on to success you know, at the, the Olympics itself. So how important are the Paralympics and the Youth Olympics to what OBS does as well? 
Uh, it's a very important part of, of what we do, Craig. Uh, thank you for pointing that out because, you know, the, the Olympic Games um, is is the diamond and has been uh, around for a very long time. And um, it's important for us to continue to um, shine light on other athletes, you know, successes and um, their stories. And so the, the Paralympic Games, the coverage of the Paralympic Games has uh, grown uh, quite a bit in the in the last uh, short while, whereas to for example, all of the uh, content, uh, all of the sport at the Paralympic uh, Winter Games in Beijing this this year was all covered live. And so when, for example, the producer of ice hockey at the Olympic Games is also the person responsible for, for creating the the coverage plan for uh, para ice hockey as well. We do that for a number of reasons, you know, to um, not only have the sport expertise and the sports specialists um, be able to have their expertise applied to the coverage, but also then from a resource perspective, um, we know where we will keep certain resources in place from one games to the next. Um, and, and so it, by doing each of these games, uh, it allows us to, you know, again, apply our expertise and and try and make sure that we're telling those uh, stories of those wonderful athletes in in a way that people would expect at a at a high level. Um, they're important stories to tell, and so it's exciting that the Paralympics continues to grow. And the, the Youth Olympic Games is also another uh, exciting, uh, you know. Um, a product that OBS is responsible for the coverage of. Um, the Youth Olympic Games uh, continues to be a product that grows. And we do see a number of youth Olympians go on to become and have success at the Olympic Games. And so um, it's, again, a, an opportunity for us to get those stories out. It's also a, another opportunity to potentially get to other areas of the world. In, in 2026, the, the Youth Summer Olympic Games will be in Dakar. And uh, I believe it'll be the first time uh, the uh, games of this nature would have been in that continent. And so, you know, there's a number of, of ways that the Youth Olympics continues to spread, um, you know, the power of sport around the world. Beijing obviously finished, you know, just a few months ago. Um, we're a couple of years out now from the next games in, in Paris, but I'm guessing you're still pretty busy at the moment. Oh, yeah. Well, we... Uh, we owed all of our uh, coverage plans, our, our initial coverage plans were due uh, essentially the day that the Paralympics completed uh, earlier this year in 2022. So, you know, there, there are multiple projects happening simultaneously. Uh, I'm off to Paris myself in a couple of weeks to, to survey venues, uh, to work with the local committee. Um, and we're, uh, you know, it's, it's important to um, be this far out so that uh, come games time, things run smoothly, uh, the way the athletes need them to, the way the, the crowd and the audiences need them to, um, you know, to, to pull them off in a, in a very special way uh, that is always the goal. It, it takes um, that amount of time in, in a cycle to prepare. 
So Trevor, you, you were kind enough earlier on to mention uh, you know, my own involvement with, with OBS and I certainly feel very privileged to have had the chance to attend the various games that, that I've attended and also to talk a little bit about you know, the great family feel I always felt that there was um, when we were working with, uh, with OBS um, you know, through, those, through those games. So, so thank you for that. Um, but there is one final question, Trevor. Uh, this is a question I actually ask everyone who joins the podcast, uh, which is what is it, um, if anything, that keeps you up at night? Hmm. Um, well, in regards to our business, Craig, I assume is the context to that question. Well, to be honest with you, uh, not really. Uh, I think um, as one, I would like to think that as one matures and becomes uh, comfortable being uncomfortable, knowing that there will always be challenges. There will always be something that's unexpected that will come up. There will always be uh, a person who has a, a personal issue that you need to support them on um, during an event like this. And so knowing that you're going to need to be reactive, uh, that you're, you know, despite your best planning, you will not have been able to anticipate everything. So having some energy reserves, having um, planned for the unplannable, knowing that um, we need to help people because it's people who create the product. And so if we have the proper supports in place for people to be able to do great work, then, um, you know, then we're really doing our job. So I, I don't let those things keep me up at night now anymore because I know that they're coming and I know that we'll manage them and I know it'll be okay. What a great sentiment to end on. Thanks to Trevor for taking the time to talk to us on the podcast and to share those insights into an incredible organisation. If you want to find out more, then please check out the Olympics website and in particular, the summary of the games videos. They are pretty amazing as an illustration of what OBS delivers. Let us know what you think of what Trevor had to say. We're on social. My username on Twitter and Instagram is CraigAW1969. Or, of course, there are the various avid social accounts you can follow too across all the major platforms. Or email us at makingthemedia at avid.com. Check out the show notes for more details on how Avid is enabling remote workflows in a new ebook and how we are delivering stories to all the social media platforms with Media Central Publisher. Please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice to get notified when the next episode is out. Leave a review and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. That's all for now. Thanks again to Trevor. Thanks to our producer, Matt Diggs and the team. And thanks to you for listening. Join me, Craig Wilson, next time for a more in-depth chat about making the media. Music